0: hey welcome back it's food news and choose radio thank you for being with us today i'm very excited because uh we're gonna talk about barbecue
1: and yeah, with a very famous guest yeah i it,
0: love it it's so funny because i uh i followed this person for a while and okay. had no idea that there was election and connection the uh the, the channel is called mad Scientist barbecue and jeremy is mad scientist is yeah. the mad scientist hey, me od- yeah, hey,
2: i'm great you. it's uh great to be here i went to college in Lexington for four years so it's good to be back so how let's let's talk about it because the 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 YouTube world to me is is fascinating Mm -hmm. so
0: what what got you on YouTube how did this whole thing happen
2: well the the short version is um, I got into barbecue as a hobby I love doing barbecue and i would gotten a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and so I would watch barbecue YouTube videos and stuff like that and then I saw that people were saying things that were scientifically inaccurate And it really bugged me. And so I thought, you know what? I bet I could make a YouTube video. So I made a YouTube video. Um, It did pretty well and made several. And I was working full time as a school teacher and uh, I was teaching, you know, AP chemistry, AP biology and stuff like that. And then uh, it kind of grew from there. Eventually I started a barbecue catering business and uh, the pandemic shut that down. So I started focusing more on YouTube um, because I thought, well, you know, the news of two weeks to slow the spread comes out, and I thought, well, I have two weeks of no sure. catering, and then I'm back at it. Everything's
0: going to be back to normal. Oh, right. boy. Right. <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah. But
2: <laughs>
1: a lot of
0: us were.
2: Right. So then I realized, well, I can't afford to make zero dollars. So uh, we moved back uh, to Kentucky, where. My wife and I both grew up and um, started doing the YouTube videos, uh, one every week, and uh, channels kind of grown from there. So this is
3: all happening pretty quick. I mean, this is, the pandemic is around two years, and you started less than two years ago, and you're building this kind of critical mass with good barbecue knowledge and technique, right?
2: Well, the YouTube channel started uh, maybe four or five years ago, something like that. Okay, gotcha. But I was kind of doing it when I had time, so with the barbecue catering, I would, teach during the week and then I would do an event on the weekend and my wife was the only one who filmed and she would help me with that event so there were no YouTube videos being made so there might be six months in between videos but then when the pandemic hit I didn't have any catering gigs so I was like well let me see if yeah. I can get something going with sure. this YouTube channel. Now,
0: pandemic side hustle. Everyone yeah. got one by the yeah. way if you don't know uh, Matt's Barbecue has like 400,000 subscribers. Amazing. It's, it's, a, it's a it's a real channel. I, it's, I it's love
1: a, it I love it that it's you are a, legit were a food bio... channel. What kind of major did you have at Transy?
2: Biochemistry. Biochemistry. Don't
3: you love that? I love how, you know, the food science aspects of food always... You know, really kind of took hold of me. Yeah. I, you know, we need a new Alton Brown anyway, right? So maybe yeah, you can take you that spot. <laughs> well, um, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> you know, I got to go to turn it down one kind of scientist <laughs> barbecue thing. Uh, it was a, f- when we went to the barbecue festival at Southern Foodways uh, Alliance yeah. down in Alabama, and Alton Brown did an on stage presentation for Whole Hog Barbecue, mm-hmm. which was really good. And I learned so much just about kind of principles i hadn't thought about what are some of your biggest pet peeves that other youtubers do some of this mince information
0: that doesn't scientifically make sense anything off the bat just drive you nuts yeah what was the thing that actually what was
2: the one thing you saw that like nope this is why i'm starting a channel this is wrong well uh the the video that kind of kicked it off for me was i saw a video of a guy lighting up an offset smoker and uh, he, you know, lit the wood, and uh, the smoker was heating up, and he opened the door, and there was a lot of water on the inside of the smoker. And he said, well, you see what's going on right here is the water is coming out of that metal right there. <laughs> Water's
3: coming out <laughs> of the metal.
2: Right, but he, in my head, I'm thinking, no. The primary products of combustion are carbon dioxide and water vapor. That water vapor is condensing on the cold metal. There's no water in that metal. It's like somebody has to yeah. you know, set the record I'm sorry, straight.
0: are you trying to say that water does not hold metal or metal does not hold water? Well, correct. You can't <laughs> unless
2: it's you in can't milk right. metal.
0: Yeah. You can't milk metal. That's, no. yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what are some of the things that people get wrong about barbecue?
2: Well, a lot of times for beginners, uh, what they get wrong is they want a very established playbook of what to do. So they want to know, how long do I put it on the smoker? How long do I wait for this? How right. long do I wrap it? Mm-hmm. Um, what should I use to wrap You know, whatever meat that I'm cooking? Uh, and they they want it all to be outlined, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work that way. With barbecue, people say it's done when it's done, and unfortunately, that can take 16 hours, or it could take 12, and it's, you know, there's no way around it without having a lot of experience or understanding enough of the science behind what you're doing so that you can understand what it is without having to have done it a hundred or a thousand times. So what I think science gives people with cooking is a lot of the knowledge that people get through hundreds of times of repetition but in a much shorter period of time.
0: So something I, I think both of you guys can relate to, uh, and I think I saw it on your channel, as a matter of fact, you could have two briskets, buy them from the same place, same basic weight. One can be done in 12 hours, and the other might the take 14 hours.
3: darndest thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. It, it, if you're a layperson, you're like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Right. Well, I just, that's one of those things I don't understand. So uh, – On my channel what i try to do is i'll try to explain the things that i understand like we can talk about a smoke ring and the chemical reactions that take place Mm -hmm. to make a smoke ring but the things i don't understand i never try to pretend to because i think that's doing a disservice Mm -hmm. uh, to people who really want to understand so what what really is my pet peeve is when people try to use scientific explanations to explain things that they obviously don't understand it's almost like um if you hear somebody trying to speak uh something that's their second language. You're like, oh, well, you know. You know, they can say the words, but they're not really a native speaker. With science, you can kind of get the same impression. It's like mm-hmm. somebody's using scientific words, but you're not really a native speaker of science. People
0: are very mm-hmm. confident when they have very little information yeah.
2: in True. general. Well, I
3: think that, you know, they base it on evidence. Uh, Unfortunately, they haven't had the best evidence, though, because some of the the samples I've had of people's star Uh award winning barbecue just completely missed the mark on the stuff that you're looking for. Sure. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. know, salt, pepper, and smoke, you know, or white oak, if you want to say, is is kind of a key for me. Um, But, you know, some people just don't Mm -hmm. really understand how to get to the temperature range you need to get—
1: yeah. You know, now, now I've heard a lot about really um, styles of barbecue, and there's all we've talked about this before on the show. What's your style of barbecue, or do you is there such a thing as a style of barbecue?
2: Yeah, there are regional styles of barbecue, both in how they do the cooking and how they do the the, the spices and the seasoning, um, but. For, for me, my style of barbecue, well, I'll just say it this way. My view of barbecue is if you're cooking meat with fire, you're doing barbecue. And there are all kinds of different ways to do it. You could do an Argentinian style asado. They're cooking meat with fire, I'll call it barbecue. You could do um, you know Carolina style whole hog where they take wood splits, burn them down to coals and shovel them in under a brick pit That's barbecue. You could do Texas style, where you have a big offset smoker and you're putting in logs and that's doing the heating and the cooking. That's barbecue too. The one that I like the most is cooking on an offset smoker because I think you get the greatest spectrum of smoke flavor. Um, when you're burning a live fire. So I'd say that there's no replacement for a live fire because when you put in a log, you're getting all of those flavor compounds from when it first starts to smolder and then it bursts into open flame. You're getting all those flavor compounds then as it burns down into coals and then any other flavor compounds it has in its coal stage. So you get the full life cycle of that wood burning and I think that gives you the broadest and deepest range of smoke flavor.
3: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I I really also think that you know the offset smoker has just a better heat temperature range you know if you don't have the fire directly underneath or anywhere kind of close and you're blowing in the, the hot smoke it's just a, a nice lower slower better environment for this meat to slowly come up to okay. temperature.
1: let me ask this question i'm the biggest dummy here about <laughs> cooking because i eat jeremy's food every night okay but what's an offset smoker What is does that speak to um home cooks like what do most of the people that listen to you have and what is an offset smoker?
2: Sure. So I would say the majority of my, I don't know if it's the majority, but at least the plurality of my viewers have pellet smokers simply because you put in wood pellets and you can dial um, a gauge and it will cook barbecue for you. Um, But my favorite, the offset smoker developed essentially from Texas oil workers. They had a lot of these big pipes lying around. They had skills in welding. And so they realized if they have basically one tube and another tube offset from it, um, they could have indirect heat and they could get low and slow American-style barbecue.
0: And that's kind of what you think of when you see, you know, someone driving with a with a big barbecue grill on the back, you know, mm-hmm. one of those, uh-huh. like a uh-huh. That's kind of what you're thinking. It's a, basically a drum oh. or, a, or a barrel. But it's not
1: huge. I mean, I. It, I mean, know.
0: they can be big, they can be small. Oh. There are some that are the, you know, the home size home of track yeah. well, and trailer. and wood's over
1: here. Okay. It's got two, yeah.
0: and it goes into the actual... But, you know,
1: people who are actually doing it at home probably typically don't have that.
0: Oh. And, and that really has to be babysat. I mean, you really <laughs> see have the picture to sit there and you have to feed it and you have to watch it. And it's a it's a, it's a process.
2: <laughs> right. It's, it's definitely uh, labor intensive. You can't just set it and forget it. It's not the Ron Popeil Showtime rotisserie. <laughs> How do you really feel about pellet smokers? <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> I don't particularly like them, um, but I understand that for most people, That's to have, have barbecue, it's the most convenient way to totally, do it. Totally. Yeah. So if you're, you know, leaving for work at six a.m. and you're getting home at seven p.m. and you just want food, uh, I don't blame those people at all. As a matter of fact, if if I were you know, in a situation where I didn't have the time to do totally. the kind of barbecue that I wanted, I'd throw stuff on a pellet smoker, no problem. And I think that's the biggest thing is just the time commitment, you mm-hmm. know, putting out the
3: effort and the time. Uh, in, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, if, if I think the pellet smokers make barbecue and good barbecue practical. Like, okay, that's I can practical. actually have this yeah. Wednesday night if I
1: yeah.
0: set it up correctly. Yeah,
1: and if they do all the other touches that I'm sure... You help them do, yeah. uh, and that it works.
0: Well, what What are the big mistakes? Like, as a as a home, you know, barbecue novice for most of the audience, what are the, what are the the no pun the pitfalls that some people fall into when they're making barbecue? Uh,
2: well, that depends. It's highly dependent on the kind of smoker that they're mm-hmm. using. So, for a pellet smoker, the. The pitfalls, I would say, um, would be assuming that all pellets are created equal because they're not. Mm -hmm. So Some pellets will be made with different kinds of wood. Some will have the bark included. Some will um, not have the bark included. Uh, One very prominent brand, um, I can't prove that they do this, but I can prove that they have a patent for this technology, is basically taking uh, sawdust from like alder and then adding wood oils to it and then selling it as, well, I don't know that they sell it, but then it could be mesquite flavor. It could be hickory flavor. So it you're could flavoring
0: be flavor. the cheaper wood with oils from a better wood.
2: Right, right. Okay. So uh, there are significant differences between pellets. So that's the the easiest thing to correct. The second thing is um, with pellet smokers, a lot of times people will will just go on temperature, which is better than going on time. So temperature gives you more information than just a, a time you're looking at your watch. So that's not the be all end all of barbecue though so if you get a brisket to say 205 in seven hours it'll probably be okay but you get something that's more tender if you give it 12 hours and let it come to 202 203 um that that's just kind of philosophically one way that they can improve and then the other thing is that i don't know that i've ever heard anybody else really talk about is the difference in like the the meat texture when you have something that has a lot of airflow versus something that doesn't have a lot of airflow so on offset smokers there's a natural draft you're moving huge volumes of air through that smoker and what that does is basically causes a process called evaporative cooling to take place on the barbecue so the meat you can think of as sweating out water the hot air comes and you know evaporates the water and carries it out of the smoke chamber so what you get is the meat shrinks and concentrates the flavor in addition the muscle fibers themselves instead of being full of water and really taut, they kind of become limp and so each bite will be more tender if you allow that water to gently evaporate through the cooking process
1: you sound like a scientist Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh,
2: helps the bark too right oh yeah
1: for sure let me ask you about this you have a good foundation that has begun You've taken a break from Sullivan, which is our sponsor, and they do good work. I know Chef knows all about that with Mm -hmm. the folks that you bring in. So you've got that great foundation uh, that that they bring to the table,
2: so to speak. Right. So I I wanted to take classes at Sullivan because um, I love barbecue. I want to continue to learn as much about barbecue as I can. Right now I'm working with... A lab to try to do some legitimate scientific testing on barbecue myths or see if they're myths or not. Um, But what barbecue is, is a small sliver Mm -hmm. of what cooking is, right? A tiny portion, right? And so I could tell you, you know, 15 different ways to cook a brisket, but, you know, before taking classes there, I couldn't tell you how to make a roux properly. Right. You know, I didn't know the difference between a blonde roux. Or, or, yeah. or a brown root or a white root. You want to root? turn
3: those meat juices into a port wine reduction sauce. Yeah, right, so, yeah, right. Exactly.
1: So maybe that's even a next step for you is to, to develop the kinds of things around your cooking that could even be more creative, right?
2: Right. So I went to, um, I think it's called the APL Steakhouse in Los Angeles, Adam Perry Lang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, this was right at the start of the pandemic, and I, I kind of feel bad about it now because... Restaurants needed all the help they could get. But I kind of had a a mixed review of the food that I had there. There was a beef rib, um, and uh, it just wasn't cooked to tenderness. And so I kind of, you know, let it be known I wasn't super happy about that. But then what I realized is that all of the sides and every other kind of accoutrement that goes along with the barbecue that he was making were unbelievable. Better than anything I had ever made. And so I thought, well, okay, maybe the guy who was in charge of the smoker that day had a bad day but they clearly know how to cook at this place. I
3: have a big beef on that sense too. When I go to some killer barbecue place that has legendary barbecue, I typically agree the meat is amazing. You know, all right, so you put the meat in the smoker 14 hours ago, you had time to make some decent sides. (laughs) Right. right yeah, right. yeah. Right. you really did you, you had 14 so hours to make a some coleslaw
0: brisket with costco potato salad ain't okay, gonna, go uh, uh, kinda what's kinda the yeah you know,
3: so when his experience you know barbecue <laughs> chef having not so good meat but awesome sides i get that kind of reverse thing you know the, the complete package you know the meat's not as good without something on the side right oh, so yeah. um
0: yeah this I, might be a stupid question but can sometimes like so that be for him could sometimes it just be a bad piece of meat like no matter what you do to it, it's just it's not gonna work. That's yeah. for whatever reason that was an issue. There was just a, a, I mean, I like to blame the meat as much as I can when my sure. w- whenever sure. I'm cooking <laughs> fails. So is that happen sometimes? Like you just get a, you know, you just get a bum. You just get something you can't.
2: I wouldn't characterize it like that. I, w- I would say that the quality of meat matters tremendously. So mm. I always encourage people to get the best quality of meat that they can afford. Uh, but it, with tenderness, you can get something that's select or choice or prime or wagyu. You can get all of them to tenderness, um, but it won't have the same qualities as the, the higher grades of meat. Yeah. And so uh, the issue with that beef rib in particular was it just wasn't cooked long enough to reach tenderness. Yeah. But you, you, I cut, well, I looked at how they would cut it, and it was just, just overwhelmed with juice, rendered fat in that beef rib. It was a tremendous piece of meat. It just needed a little bit more time. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, okay. What, okay. How do you feel about tenderness? Like, so, you know, some people want, when we look at ribs, some people want fall off the bone <laughs> yeah, ribs, yeah. where you take a bite. I do. And, right. yeah, some, people, some people like to chew it a little, and I know like competition barbecue, that you, like, you should be able to bite it and leave your teeth marking it. I think that's right. what, they, what they go for. But what does everybody like? Like, what do, you, what do you prefer when you're cooking rib or brisket? What, what tenderness level are you going for?
2: The the way I like to eat ribs is I like them to be as tender as possible without falling off the bone. Because I want, you know, the structural integrity of the rib to remain. But I want to take a bite and the meat, I don't really want any, if there's no tug, I don't care. And there's a clean bone underneath, but it doesn't pull all the rest Um, of the meat off. Yeah, that, That's what I like.
1: I'm a fall-off-the-bone person. And
2: way easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Nailing that temperature. Is <laughs> no. yeah. Tell yeah, us about right.
1: elk. You're going to try some elk in the future, right?
2: Yeah, I got tremendously lucky and drew a Kentucky archery elk tag in 2021. And, uh, yeah, I've been applying for a number of years while I lived in California. And then I moved back home to Kentucky. I applied for the first year as a resident and drew a tag. And uh, it was... Uh, an awesome experience. If if any of you are hunters out there, um, I would recommend definitely applying. Uh, but I have a freezer full of elk, and the issue with elk and barbecue is that elk is tremendously lean, mm. as most game is very lean. There's some exceptions, like if you have a black bear or something like that. There's going to be a lot more fat, but generally speaking, it's very lean. And the kind of origin of barbecue was taking fatty, undesirable cuts, cooking them for a long time at a low temperature to Uh, you know, render the fat out and you have this juicy, succulent piece of meat at the end. Well, because Elk is so lean, there's not all that intramuscular fat. And so you have to find ways to kind of counteract that if you're going to do barbecue. But it lends itself to grilling, like high heat. You get a really good sear on the outside. Mm -hmm. And so there are a number of different things I'm going to pursue to try to figure out, well, is there a way you can actually do barbecue with Elk? No doubt. I mean, I I could go for Smoked
3: elk prime rib, you know, it's on the on the on the big major cuts. But I don't know how do you, how, how do you do with like a a round of uh, of elk? That's going to be a almost, tough process. It
0: would almost jerky before it would barbecue, right?
2: Yeah, that's that's my fear. Yeah, yeah. But
0: yeah. I'm curious. I mean, I I guess I'm just. W- what about you know? The answer to everything is bacon. You just wrapping,
2: <laughs> <laughs> just wrap it in fat. <laughs> that's that's an old hunter's trick. Um, <laughs> but my my game plan uh, essentially. So are I have to preface this with there are two things that really provide um, what you perceive as moisture to a barbecue cut. Mm -hmm. The first is fat, right? So mm. when the fat renders, it's really slick if you get any between your fingers. That's actually what you perceive usually as moisture when you're eating barbecue. It's not actually the water. Right. Um, so you could have a pot roast that you put in the crock pot. It's surrounded by water the entire time, but it tastes dry and stringy when you in to take out. a bite. Right. It's because it doesn't have enough rendered fat to kind of lubricate everything. So having enough fat is one key issue. The other one is uh, collagen and structural proteins, right? So. Collagen is what makes your face taut, and as you get older it breaks down and you get wrinkles and stuff. But in terms of meat, collagen can over time at a low temperature and given enough time, it can hydrolyze, it's break down and form gelatin. And so the idea of meat jello might sound gross. But it's actually delicious. Mm -hmm. I think meat gel sounds amazing.
1: Oh, it does sound good. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
2: (laughs) So if you have, uh, you know, a brisket on the smoker and you have a grease bucket, what you'll find when you empty that grease bucket is there are going to be two layers that form Mm -hmm. in the grease bucket. On the top, there's going to be grease, just like oil sits above water. Yeah. You could pull that out. And underneath, there's this brown gelatin it's the, the collagen that's hydrolyzed mm-hmm. and kind of dripped out of the meat while it's cooking. So my plan was to use a whole elk quarter because there's going to be lots of connective tissue in there. And then I would inject another source of fat. And so I, hmm. I'm i particularly fond of Wagyu tallow. Sure. And so I thought pumping that thing full of Wagyu tallow might make it survive that cook. And you can get that now. You can buy Wagyu tallow really? in like a coffee can, basically. Yep. A
0: can of Wagyu fat.
3: Yeah. yeah. There's some fun ways to take the approach. I mean, I don't know if you call it like sincere barbecue because you're not smoking the entire time but you know like a two three hour hard smoke maybe even some kind of like butter and call fat wrap Mm. you know to smoke Mm. continually then take it off maybe higher temperature for the bark later i don't know but does meat ever take an absorption period because you might know this from the scientific aspect like you know you cook mushrooms and they'll spit out juice but then they'll suck it back in when you take meat off of a smoker you want to rest it so it does not bleed out its juices and reabsorb kind of holds it right Is there a way where maybe you could actually have the the meat soak something in without
2: brining, like soak in fat during the cooking process? I don't know if it would soak in fat during the cooking process. Um, So the the fat would provide a a hydrophobic layer. Basically, it means water-fearing layer. So it would would keep the water inside so it wouldn't leach out water as readily. So that's maybe one thing you could do. You could obviously brine the meat beforehand because... The, the salt will hold on to water molecules inside the meat. It, they won't leave as readily. Um, but I like the idea of the call fat. That seems interesting. I think if you left it on there and cooked it for a long time, it might just integrate itself with the bark. It probably would, you know, and you'd be
3: able to eat it completely. And, you know, like I said, if you maybe just poured melted butter in, in the pouch
2: and surrounded it, maybe that's enough fat for, a,
3: I don't know. Let's see what it do.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking maybe you could smoke it and do like a confit type. Yeah, of confit feel. Yeah, thing.
3: it's not. I don't really call it barbecue, but it. You know, you get smoke, smoke meat flavor, and it won't be yeah. really. I don't know.
1: Do you have an idol in barbecue? Do you have a barbecue idol?
2: A barbecue idol. Somebody um, you
1: aspire to be like?
2: I guess you would have to say Aaron Franklin because he's been not only tremendously good at doing barbecue, but tremendously successful. Mm -hmm. Um, Franklin is the
0: pinnacle right now of barbecue in America,
2: would you say? Um, In a lot of ways, he's the most well-known. For a long time I've called him barbecue Jesus because (laughs) basically um, (laughs) the YouTube comment section is like the cesspool of humanity. And you get lots of trolls and stuff. And so if you say anything, um, no matter what it is, you you could say something like, to do barbecue, you need to smoke the meat. And somebody will inevitably say, well, Aaron Franklin says X, Y, or Z. It's it's kind of like the barbecue version of Godwin's Law. You guys familiar with Godwin's Law? (laughs) Right. So any barbecue conversation, if left to go long enough, we'll, well talk about engineer. Aaron Franklin. <laughs> yeah,
0: I get that. But is he? You know, there's even controversy online over like, is what's really in Franklin seasoning? Because is it just oh. salt and pepper? You know, have you seen those guys who like try to break it down? Like he's <laughs> lying. It's not salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, peppery. Right. You know, well, well,
2: so uh, <laughs> a couple a couple of things uh, about that. Uh, one, I can tell you after the broadcast. Sure, um, but. Yeah, so from people who've worked there, I've been told it's not just salt and pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And uh, John Lewis, who is one of the original pitmasters there, did an interview saying that he's never cooked a brisket with just salt and pepper in his entire life, and that includes while working in Franklin. Right.
1: And so that's when he
2: started winning all the awards and all that. And so I think my my thought on it was essentially this. If they're winning all kinds of awards, getting all kinds of recognition, why would they change the method? Right. But also, some part of barbecue is secrecy. Everyone's got to have a secret, right? has got
1: to have a secret. Yeah,
2: right? a secret. yeah. Uh, t- totally. totally. Yeah. M- my issue is this. If, if someone says, I can't tell you what's in my rub, it's a secret. No problem. Totally respect it. What I don't like is if somebody says, hey, this is exactly what I do, and they yeah. don't tell you exactly they what, they they
0: they they do. tell you what they do. And then, they do. then you try to replicate what, what's you know, what's it and it does taste as good. We've got to take a break, yeah. oh, okay. but we'll come back, so don't go yeah. anywhere. Yeah. 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 Thanks yeah. for being with us. This is Food News and Chews Radio.